morning. It's about time to get started. Uh, as far as announcements, um, let's see, uh, Nelly uh, has a broken ankle. Uh, definitely keep her in your prayers. Um, Mary is dealing with the shingles. Um, Junie, uh, Chuck said you weren't feeling better. Glad to see you here. We weren't feeling real great yesterday, but glad, 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 glad to see you're here. Um, Donisha, uh, he said that the doctors came back that it positive results. Okay. Better results. Okay, great. Definitely uh, keep the whole family in your prayers. Um, the pings are still traveling. Um, Bobby Bentley, I believe, has gone back up north to handle some things up there. Uh, he wasn't sure when he was going back, but he said if he's not here, that's where he's at. So um, definitely keep uh, Bobby in your prayers, losing his brother, and then he lost a really close friend. He's dealing with, dealing with a lot. Um, we do have a men's meeting after services on Wednesday for the men. Um, is there any other sick or traveling? Okay. All right. Definitely keep, keep Henderson's in your prayers. He's ten days. Okay. Hopefully. Okay. Blake Medical. Okay. Blake Medical. Four seventy-five. Okay. Um, I'll be doing the first prayer. Brad will have our scripture reading. Um, what is the scripture reading? Ephesians 2, 1 through 7. Uh, Chuck will be doing our song leading. Uh, presiding at the, cable, at the table will be Kevin. will be assisted by Brad and Jack. Um, David's going to do our closing prayer, and our first song is number 12. Um, so I'll go ahead and do the opening prayer, and then we'll get into our song service. Dear Father in heaven, we come before you as we have gathered together this time. We pray that this time we have, we've come together that the manner of worship that we bring to you will be pleasing to you. We pray that you be with, be with this congregation, dear Lord, that we will be found pleasing in your sight, be considered faithful before you. Pray that you be with our brethren and our sister that are facing hard times, that are facing illness, that are facing injury, that you comfort them and help us to be a comfort to them and their families, that you watch over them, watch over all of us as only you can, and help us to be the support as their brothers and sisters, is to the best of our ability. I pray that the songs that we sing and the sermon that is brought before us today, that we will come to a greater appreciation of you, that we'll be able to uplift and edify each other, and that we will, we will find peace and strength and knowledge in your scripture. So that you watch over each of us as we go forward in this service and all of our time that we are on this earth. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Number 12, he's my king. All day long of Jesus I am singing. He my song of joy will ever be. All the while he keeps my heart bells ringing. For his love. Yeah. 
reading be uh, from uh, Ephesians 2 1 through 7 and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and will be by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and our transgressions made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised in heavenly places through Christ Jesus, in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Before we partake of the Lord's Supper, we'll sing number 178. 178, true worship. We're going to sing the second and third verses only. Sweet. 
In the book of Hebrews, the word better appears some 13 times. The Hebrew writer talks of a better covenant made on better promises. It speaks of our Lord being better, his ministry being better than that of the old law. And we understand, as we have studied from the book of Hebrews recently, all about that. We know that the law of Christ, that his sacrifice is better. And it has given us all things that we need. So we come together on the first day of the week, each and every first day of the week, to remember that sacrifice. The Hebrew writer in chapter 10 says in verse 3, but in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins year by year. He's speaking of the old sacrifices under the old law. And he says in verse 4, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Coming down to verse 8, it says, And after saying above sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast not desired, nor hast thou taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do thy will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, speaking of our Lord, having offered one sacrifice for sins for that all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool. For by his offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 speaks of this memorial. We come together on the first day of the week to partake of this bread and this fruit of the vine, which calls to our memory the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is indeed able to save us from our sins. So when we come here together to remember that great sacrifice. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this Lord's Day. We're thankful for this opportunity to round the table and partake of this bread that is the body that is crucified on the cross for each and every one of us. We pray that we'll center our minds on the sacrifice and take pleasing to thee. Jesus, blessed name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Let's give thanks for the fruit of the vine. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this fruit of the vine, which is the blood of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, we know we're not worthy of such sacrifice, but through your grace and your mercy, you have made it available to us. We thank you, Father, for it. Pray that all those who partake will do so in a manner that is pleasing in your sight, examining ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. concludes the Lord's Supper. We'll take the opportunity to lay by and store, which is also a command that we are given to do on the first day of the week. Let's go to God in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for so many blessings that you so richly bestow upon us. And as we give back only a small portion, Father, we pray that each one here gives back according to what they have purpose in their heart. We know that you love a cheerful giver. Thank you so much for your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Number 188, we'll sing the song before we have our lesson this morning. Number 188, There Stands a Rock. There stands a rock on shores of time that rears to heaven. Some one. 
297, 297. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2. We will be there in just a moment. It's good to see everyone. Appreciate having visitors with us this morning. You're always welcome here. We always want you to know that we seek to serve God. We seek to do so in the manner that is spelled out to us in the New Testament. Holding to the pattern of sound doctrine. Holding to the Church of Christ. The Lord's body. We pray that that is our uh, intent and our outcome. That we are here to serve God and to worship Him on this first day of the week. One of the earliest messages in Jesus' ministry was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that echoed exactly what John the Baptist was preaching when he was preparing the way for the Christ. Few words that tell so much. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Jesus was proclaiming that God's promise to Abraham, the promise that through him all nations would be blessed, was soon to be fulfilled. This meant that all peoples of the earth would be united under the law of Christ. That no longer would there be distinction between Jew and Gentile, as there was for so many years. Everyone can now be able to share in the blessings of Jesus Christ. Coming together to share in these blessings also meant that the people would have to be of the same mind. In Acts chapter 2, verse 45, it says, And they began selling their property and possessions, and were sharing them with all, as many who might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Continuing with one mind. Philippians 2 and verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Scripture tells us that we are to be united in our thoughts and our beliefs. And that unity also includes Jesus himself. Being united in his teachings and in his his authority. That's why it's so dangerous when the opposite of this comes into practice. When we are not bound together in unity. So let's go back and talk about this coming together. We're there in Ephesians 2. We won't reread this again. But we see there in verses 1 through 10, Paul talks about coming together. What has been done so that we can be united in Christ. You were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you formerly walked according to the principles of of this world. Paul makes a point to these Ephesians that they were once lost. That they were dead in sin, that they were lost in the world, that they were indulging in worldly lusts. But what saved them from this? Notice verses 4 and 5 again. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Together with Christ. Romans 6 and verse 5 says, For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. We are united with Christ when we are baptized into his death. We become united. Alive together with Christ. The message is the same to us as it was to these Ephesians. We who were formerly in this condition, we talked about in our class this morning, about being in a former condition, now we are different as children of God. We put away that old man of sin. We've been saved by the grace of God through faith and have been united with Christ. Verses 11 through 18 go on here in in Ephesians chapter 2 to talk about how the Gentiles and the Jews were brought together. How they were brought together in Christ. Tearing down that barrier that existed between them for so long. 
And this was accomplished through the cross, as Paul makes mention here. So look at what that means now. Let's pick up our reading in verse 19 of Ephesians 2. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fit together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. A household, a building fitted together with the apostles and the prophets, Jesus himself being the cornerstone, and growing into a holy temple in the Lord. So let me ask you, couple of questions. Does that sound like many buildings? Or does that sound like one building? Can one, can many, uh, can one building have many foundations? Or one foundation? A building must be a unified whole. Further talk of this unity is found over in chapter 4 of Ephesians. Turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's read here verses 1 through 6. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, the grace, uh, we'll stop there at verse 6. What is Paul talking about here? He's talking about unity. Look what he says there, being diligent in verse 3, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul laid out the case for unity in chapter 2. He goes on here in verse 4 to further explain the necessity of unity. Why? Because they were to serve one God. They were to serve one Lord. In 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 13 says, Paul, as Paul is admonishing the Corinthians, because there were divisions that existed among them. In verse 13 of chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, has Christ been divided? Paul was not baptized for you, was he? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? That's the exact wording. There were divisions in the church of Corinth. And Paul reminds them, has Christ been divided? You weren't baptized uh, in the name of Paul, were you? Paul wasn't crucified for you, was he? Jesus Christ was. It's really simple. We must 
preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This was mentioned in our class this morning, Romans 12, verse 18. If possible, so far as depends on you, live at peace with all men. We must be peacefully united together. Putting all that together. And that leaves no room for dissension. Now, we may have our dis disagreements over matters of opinion from time to time. And that will happen. But when it comes to matters of doctrine, we must be unified and we must be at peace. And we have been warned about the dangers of the opposite. We have been warned about the dangers of divisiveness, of divisions among us. We've been told to beware. Look over in 1 Tim Timothy 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy 4, beginning verse 1. Note this. But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful uh, spirits and doctrines of demons, by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods, which God has created to be gratefully shared, uh, be shared in by those who believe and know the truth. Paul warns the young evangelist Timothy that there are those who will seek to lead others, seek to lead others astray. Not holding to sound doctrine, but rather practicing deceit. Matthew 7, verse 15, our Lord warns about people in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And Paul has a similar warning to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. Go over there with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, we find Paul wrapping up his third missionary journey. He's at Miletus, and he sends over to Ephesus to have the elders come over there so that he can discuss some things with them. Acts chapter 20, beginning verse 28. This is Paul speaking to these Ephesian elders. He says, Be on the guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in and among you, not sparing the flock. Paul has very similar language of our Lord talking about those savage wolves, not sparing the flock. Look at verse 31, or excuse me, verse 30. And from among you, your own selves will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Speaking perverse things to draw the disciples away after them. Now look what it says in verse 31. Therefore, be on the alert. <coughs> Paul is telling them to look out. To be watchful. That there are men who are going to try to lead people astray. And you need to be aware of it. 
In Galatians 5, Paul tells us that these things that we are to be on the, on the alert for are evident. Look over in Galatians 5. <clears throat> Galatians 5. Paul speaking here about the things of the flesh in opposition to the things of the Spirit. Verse 19 of Galatians 5, he says, Now the deeds of the flesh are what? Are evident. Which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Remember what we started our lesson here this morning. What was early in Jesus' ministry? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Paul here warning, if you're practicing these things, you're not going to inherit that kingdom. These kinds of actions tear down the unity that exists between us. In this list, Paul lists several deeds that tear down the unity and divide us. We're going to look at three of these. Disputes, factions, and dissensions. Closely related, but some distinctions that we can draw out of it. Disputes, factions, and dissensions. Start with disputes. Look over in 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy 6, beginning verse 3, says, If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. Look what comes out of controversial questions and disputes about words. It says there, um, envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved minds. These kind of things tear down unity. People who are obsessed with these things, they strike at the heart of a unified and peaceful congregation. These are self-seeking kinds of individuals. They're not interested in the unity of the spirit that Paul <coughs> speaks of in Ephesians 4. Let's talk about factions. Definition of a faction means a state of conflict within an organization. It makes sense to us. We understand what a faction means. Can a state of conflict exist in the Lord's body? 
Especially after what we've seen in Ephesians 2 and 4 about Paul pleading for unity and demonstrating how Christ has put together those who have been separated for so long, uniting them in the law of Christ. So can a state of conflict exist in the Lord's body? Of course not. The Lord's body is not divided. And we have been told what to do with those who seek to divide. Titus 3 and verse 10 says, Reject a factious man after a first and second warning. We're not to let that stand. We're not to let divisions creep in. We are to reject those who try to do such. We're also told to be on the lookout for those who would cause dissension. Look over in Romans chapter 16. Romans 16. We're speaking here of the warnings that have been given to us in Scripture about those who would try to tear down unity. In Romans chapter 16, verse 17 and 18 says, Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teachings which you have learned and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. It's clear from these readings that these seek to serve themselves, not to give preference to one another in honor, as Paul talked about earlier in chapter 12 and verse 10. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 8 says, Therefore I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. So many places that we can point to to understand that we're to be unified and dissensions must not be among us. Dissensions have no place in the Lord's body. Simple as that. And neither do disputes or factions. The Lord's body must be unified or else it ceases to be the Lord's body. Jesus warns the Ephesian church in Revelation 2 that unless they repent, he was going to come and remove their lampstand. Which means that, that they will no longer be recognized as a church. In chapter 1, and verse 20, Jesus gives the explanation of, this, of the scene that John sees here about this figure standing amongst the lampstands. And Jesus says the lampstands are the churches. So when Jesus warns the church in Ephesus that unless they repent, he's going to take away their lampstand, it means they're not going to be recognized as a church. And what a sad and dire warning that is. And lack of unity can cause that. If we're not unified, if we're not holding to the bond of peace, we risk that same condemnation. Jesus came to this world to unite. Yes, I understand it talks about the divisions of mother and daughter. 
but he came to pull the Jews and the Gentiles together and to unite them in the law of Christ. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The promise of Abraham is being fulfilled, bringing together the Jews and the Gentiles, destroying that enmity that existed for so long between them, and uniting them as Christians, those who follow after Christ. The Apostle Paul tells us how important it is to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He tells us of one body, held together by our common love for Jesus and our love for each other. And we are warned not to let dissension come into the church, nor to tolerate those who bring it. Those who bring such are only interested in themselves. They're only interested in their own appetite. Some translations there in Romans 16 verse 18 says that they're interested in their own belly. They're not interested in maintaining the bond of peace. And they have a morbid interest in controversial things. So let's make sure that we're watchful. Be on the alert, as Paul told the Ephesian elders, and as he told Timothy, to watch out for these things, and not let them disrupt the unity that we have in the Lord's body, or we're in danger of losing our lampstand. And what a sad statement that is. What a sad condition that is, to not be recognized as a church. So brethren, I plead to you for us to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, as Paul talks about in Ephesians 4. And that starts by being part of the body, being a child of God. We know the plan of salvation, hearing and believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized. Mark 16 and verse 16. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. The way we become a part of this body that we've been talking about is to be baptized into Christ. If you're not a child of God, you can be. The plan of salvation is there. It's simple. It's easy for us to understand. If as a child of God you have strayed, you have fallen, you are no longer walking in the light, you need to repent. You need to make a change. And we know from 1 John 1 and verse 9 that if we confess our sins, we have a righteous and faithful God who will, re- who will um, I'm at a loss for words, who will forgive us of our sins. He is faithful and just. He will forgive us. If you are subject to the gospel call, or if you need the prayers of this congregation, you can let that be known by coming forward as together we stand to encourage you.
Director of Mind. 